John 16, we have one of the examples of the four different times we have in the Gospels of Jesus making the statement to the disciples in particular. Actually, not just to the disciples, to others and individuals. These words that are so familiar to you. Let's look at it again, verse 33. We're going to come back to this story uh, in the middle of the message, but I really want to, I want to get through the first couple, and I'd, I want us to look at the last one and spend most of our time on it, considering this theme of what Jesus said. Verse 33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Listen to what Jesus said. In the world ye shall have tribulation. And, and again, I'm guilty of this, but why does that surprise us when we have tribulation? Jesus said we were going to. Yeah. Y'all, if you just nod, throw a tomato, th- throw a candy bar if you want to. I'll eat it, amen, on the fly. Uh, are, you, are you with me? Jesus said we're going to have tribulation. That's what he said. And, uh, and by the way, he says what he means, and he means what he says, right? And so he said, ye shall have tribulation. But don't you love what Jesus said? Jesus said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We understand that every word in the Bible is perfect, and it's the exact word that God gives to us in his word. I've never, and in all my, God called me to preach when I was 13 years old. I don't, if I'm 51, you do the math, a long time ago. And I'm thankful for the call of God on my life, but I have never in my entire life ever said there's a better translation. Of course, there's no better translation than the word God gave to us. But I would say to you, I think if we're not careful, we will minimize what Jesus meant when he said, be of good cheer. Obviously, in our thinking, and not that I want to put you in my mindset, I'm from New York, so my thinking is rather warped sometimes, but... I would say to you that in our thinking, we think of cheer. We think of like this, you know, be happy. You know, let's all just have a good time. And I don't think any of us here would think that Jesus was really endorsing that. But, you know, it behooves us to really, as um, uh, Brother Judah said, just mention it real quick before he read the passage. He talked about it. Here's Jesus preparing them for the fact that he's leaving. And there's nothing about this that's some little pep rally with some pom-poms. And, hey, boy, let's, let's be of good cheer, guys. No, no, no. I think we all know that's not at all what was happening here. And you probably already understand this, but I want us to look at the different times that Jesus makes the statement. Because when he does in the Gospels, and it's made another time also in the book of Acts, we find that there's something else. There's a, it's not a hashtag, but there's a statement that he makes after he says, be of good cheer. And I think that what we can do is find what is he saying when he means be of good cheer? And then where can we make application that we might fulfill that in our lives? This matter of being of good cheer. So I want us to look at these couple and I want to spend most of our time on the last one and look at that passage in particular as we do that. Be of good cheer. The word cheer comes from a Greek word. And and again, there's no better word than the word that's in the Bible. But I think you understand. And isn't it amazing? This book is so amazing. The harmony and the unity of this book is just there's no way man ever could have wrote this. It's just it's literally impossible. And God used a group of men. We understand that. But there's no way somebody said, I think I'm just going to make a Bible and say there was a God that wrote it. You know, how ridiculous. There's no way possible. The, the correlation over the centuries and, and time, there's just, it's just no way possible. The correlation in the Old Testament to a word, you'd know already probably where I'm going with this. The correlation is the word cheer. We think of another word, and it comes to the, the Greek word, the word cheer comes from is tarseo. His brother Penn's here. Boy, he, he helped me out here. I really, I barely passed Greek by the by a shoestring, amen? Something like tarseo or what's up, yo, or something like that. But anyway, but... 
the Greek word it comes from, I'm trying to get there. It's going to take us a while to get the plane in the air. And, you know, we'll get refreshments real quick. No refreshments right now. We can't have any right now because of COVID. But then we'll get the plane landed and hopefully everybody will land safe. All right. But it comes from a Greek word and it means courage. That's what it means. Again, there's no better word. If you, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm one that say, if he said cheer, he meant cheer. But let's be careful to understand what he's talking about here. He's not endorsing just some kind of a, let's just all act like we're happy. I will tell you this too. I, I have never been one to endorse an attitude and in, 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 um, a philosophy that says, well, fake it till you make it. I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that at all. And uh, I think we can uh, we can really search our own hearts and we can. And so we can learn and understand. Listen, it's not just let's just act like we're happy. This word is courage. It, it is that itself. Isn't that the, the need of the hour? Don't we need to have courage? And by the way, it's the same thing we find in the book of Joshua, isn't it? I mean, we can, well, I, I had it in my notes and I don't know how much we've got a lot of ground to cover here. But but it's the same admonition that we see throughout the Old Testament as well about this matter of be of good courage. And by the way, don't you like that the word good is before good courage, good cheer? Be of good courage, be of good cheer. Folks, we're, we've got a lot of noise speaking to us from without. I'm not talking about right now. We're right here, amen? But we've got a lot of noise out there, media and all that stuff. And I'm not, I'm not here just picking at that. I'm saying to you, though, that there's a whole bunch of noise out there, and we're listening to that a lot. But we need to get in the Word of God. We need to be reminded. Listen, we need to take courage. Amen. It's not a time for us to just sit around or your hands are under us and just, what are we, we going to do? I've told our church folks, our theme this year in our church is continuing the faith, and we're going through the book of Acts. And I, I only see the church going one direction all through the book of Acts forward. 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 And, you know, we, we deal with problems. We deal with situations. We're not just like a bulldozer wrecking everybody on the way out and trying to, we're not being uh, belligerent or, or desiring to be offensive by any means. But I, I, I'm a student of the book of Acts. There's no, you put all the books about the church together and they're nothing compared to the book of Acts. The early New Testament churches. And they all went forward. They went forward. And they received the same admonition, and they needed to be reminded as Jesus is preparing them here uh, for his departure. He says, be of good cheer. Again, it's not just a laughter. It's courage. Before, uh, Brother Mitchell, I think it was before you came to International when I was in New York about 15, about 15 years ago. We had a situation. I worked at a Bible college, and we had a young man, and I'd, I'd never experienced this before. And I haven't experienced it since, but we had one of the college fellas, and, and by the way, praise the Lord, and tell you the end of this story, he's a missionary now on the mission field, but he had something called a laughing spell. And listen, I, I never had seen it before. I, I, one of the, the college guys came to me and said, Brother Barnes, you got to go to his room, this student. Uh, I'm not going to tell you his name right now because I don't want, I'll just call him Abdel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but it wasn't him. <laughs> but uh, he's not that young. And, uh, but, and so, but this student, he was, he, one of the college students came to me and said, you got to go to his room. He is just laughing, like just laughing, like uncontrollably. I said, what? He said, yeah, that's what he's doing. So I went to his room and uh, he said, hey, hi, Brother Barnes. Hey. I'm not kidding you. This is just about what he was doing. Just like nonstop. I didn't know if he was even breathing. He was just like, hey, how you doing, Brother Barnes? How you doing? And again, I'm going to try not to use his name. Uh, anyway, um, but 
we'll just call him Abdel again. I just got to think of a name just to use there. But I said, uh, what's wrong? Are you okay? He said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. And he just would not stop laughing. It was like the spookiest, weirdest thing. I, I, I'm just telling you. Listen, if you tell me the story, I tell you, I don't believe you. And, uh, but I'm telling it so it's true. And, uh, but, and he started laughing. I didn't know what to do. And uh, so, I'm, you know, listen, I'm not kidding you. We took him to the hospital. I mean, he just would not stop laughing. And um, I thought maybe I'd give him a shot or something. But I can't do that. I'm not his mom or his dad. So we took him to the hospital. And the nurse, you know, ah, what's your name? He said, ah, my name is. And he gave his name, you know. And, uh, and he just would not stop laughing. And uh, after a couple of minutes, we take him to a, a room and the, the doctor comes in and he says, uh, uh, I almost called him. I'm trying to tell you the story, but I'm tempted to give you his name. And um, uh, we support him. I uh, know, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, but say, he just started laughing. He said, hey, my name is. And the doctor said, do you know this guy? I said, no, I never met him before. I found him on the street. I just brought him in. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Poor guy, you know. And uh I'm try- I needed something. I got to get get rid of the, the last jitters before I get into the message here. So I had to tell you, but it really did happen. And after a few minutes, he settled down, you know. But I thought about that because, you know, that, that's almost what we think of when we think of cheer. We just think of, you know, laughter. And, and listen, I, nobody likes to have fun more than I do. I love to have fun. Boy, the memories with Scott, memories on our bus routes. Uh, what, this is a very spiritual statement, but what happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. Amen. And man, we just, man, the precious memories of God's blessings. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, is the Christian life is not a game. Right? It's not a game. It's real life. You know this, watch this, it's spiritual warfare. And so there's no way, it behooves us to really get a hold. And by the way, this is what Jesus was doing. He's really trying to get the disciples and trying to get, guys, listen, I'm leaving, but I got some good news for you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And uh, you can make it. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's going to get hard. You're going to have tribulation. And, and, and their whole world was shook, right? Jesus is, he's gone. Then he comes back and then he leaves again. We all know the Bible, right? Just nod, act like, okay, good. All right. And that's what happened. And he tried to prepare them for this. And this matter of be of good cheer is a strong admonition that you and I need this evening as well. Church, we need to take courage. We need courage. Uh, we're not talking about somebody just pumping us up. We're not talking about something, some hot air and just some noise. We need the power, the filling, the energy, the help of the Holy Spirit. We need courage. The church in 2020 needs courage. And I'm not talking about just because you're watching Fox News three or four hours a day and you're watching all the riots and protests. Listen, it's real. It's stuff that's going on. And by the way, that would fill you with fear and angst and worry. And what's going to happen? We've got to get in the book. We've got to live in the Bible so that we will be of good courage. But I find it interesting, and I want us to look at these real quick for a few minutes tonight. The several different times Jesus says, be of good cheer, and he caps it off with another statement. So once you go back, please, to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2. We'll come back to John chapter 16. So we're considering this theme tonight for a few moments of be of good cheer. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 20. I'm sorry, verse 2. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. <clears throat> it's, I, I find it interesting. I love to do word studies in the Bible. And, uh, I, you know, I encourage people, listen, you, you develop, let, let me help you here. You develop, you develop a Bible relationship that causes you to want to pick this book up tomorrow morning. I don't know if that makes sense to you. It makes sense to me. Listen, we've got to be in this book. And one of the things I, I like to do personally for me is I love to do word studies. I like to look at the different words all through the Bible and, and this happened years ago when I first looked at this, and I found it interesting. These times that we see good, be of good cheer, there's a statement that's made after it. 
Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2, and behold, that, let's start in verse 1, and he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city, and behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Isn't that amazing? Thy sins be forgiven thee. First of all, can I encourage you tonight, don't let your past squelch your courage. Jesus said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Don't let your past squelch your courage. Are you with me? You understand? Jesus offers forgiveness. You know these verses, Psalm 86 and verse 5. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. Are you reveling tonight in the forgiveness of God? Every one of us ought to be. We ought to be, not just because I'm, 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 uh, I'm mentioning it to us, right? 1 John 1, 9, don't we know the verse? Say it out loud with me if you know it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know that verse, don't you? It's still in the Bible. God offers forgiveness. Can I just remind you that God, you know this, it's simple doctrine, but let, let me just remind you that God, everything about God desires to bring you back to himself. He does. Now, he will not allow sin. Our God is holy. He's just. He cannot allow sin, but he wants you and I back. I think it's such a familiar story, but it's such a beautiful picture of forgiveness is the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. I want you to turn there just for a moment. Don't, don't get scatterbrained on me here. Stay with me if you would. I know we're looking at a couple passages. Luke chapter 15, you know the story of the prodigal son. You're very familiar with it. But I love this though. This is, this is just a good reminder Church, I'm just going to try to, I'm going to tell you something. If you live in the past, if you dwell on the past, it will rob you of your courage. I'm telling you, the devil will come in, and I'm not talking about getting in your head or getting in your heart. He can't. But I'm telling you, if you if you allow yourself, if you allow crazy thoughts going on up here, and listen, we've all got baggage back there. We've all got to listen. Don't don't look all Pharisaical at me here, y'all. Okay, all right. But we we got to understand, we've all got that back there. We got to leave that behind us. If we've confessed it and we've got it right with God, hey, we've got to live in the forgiveness of God. Yeah. And we've got to be reminded, you need to be encouraged. And listen, you ought to get encouraged when you think about the fact that God delights when you come to him and confess and make things right. Watch the illustration in Luke chapter 15 and verse 20. You know the story. And he arose and came to his father. Here's the prodigal son, right? He came to his father. Look at this. Oh, man, I love, love, love this. This ought to give you the spiritual eebie-jeebies tonight. Look at this. Don't miss this. But when he saw, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Jesus used this illustration of God's desire to offer forgiveness. And God does the same for us. He's willing. He wants us back. I, I, was, I was guilty. I say was. I, now that our children are adults, I hope I'm not as bad with it, but... This is a terrible illustration because I was not good at this very well as I should have been sometimes. There were some times one of our children would do something wrong and, and, um, and there was a part of me, please don't, don't throw stones or, or darts at me, but this is terrible. I'm just going to tell you, there was, there was sometimes I wanted to stay mad. <laughs> and some of y'all don't want to laugh and some of you, oh, you're a terrible father. Well, pray for me, all right? And uh, we're not starting it all over again, amen, but just pray for me, all right? But... But 
There were some times I would still, I want to stay mad. I'm not bragging on that. I'm embarrassed to tell you that. That's not the way our God is. And I know we're not God. And by the way, you'd be surprised how many times God, sometimes Jesus in his teaching about forgiveness, then he comes back and he says, and this is the kind of forgiveness we need to offer to each other. I'm just going to tell you this. This is not the message. But when you let, don't miss this, when you let dwelling on sins of either your past or somebody else's when you dwell there you are not you are you are hurting yourself and when you can't you will not be able to offer that forgiveness do you remember the times when jesus levied heavy heavy if i can say it that way on when we don't forgive others in recognition of the fact that how we've been forgiven y'all still there anybody still awake okay and the point is is jesus said jesus said be of good cheer i have forgiven you Take courage. God has forgiven you. Now listen, if we've got sin, we've got a man. By the way, we do every day. So we've got to confess it. Keep short accounts with God. Take it seriously and analyze and get it right and make adjustments. I'm not minimizing that. I'm not, we're not being flippant at all. But we have a God who is ready to forgive. I have forgiven you. Let it go. Let it go. Your past, your sins, all of us, all of us, all of us, all of us have them. Leave it back there. And let me just encourage you to, 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 to understand you combat your failures with forgiveness. Don't let your past squelch your courage. Go back to John 16. Let's look at the second illustration. We'll consider Jesus making a particular statement after be of good courage. John chapter 16, we saw this, we read this together just a few moments ago. <clears throat> John 16, verse 33, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Let me just, it's so simple. I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, it is, it's so simple, but there are things that will rob you. Listen, if you, don't, if you and I don't get this tonight, there are things that will rob you of your courage and you'll live day in, day out like a roller coaster. And God doesn't want us to do that, right? And so there are things that'll rob you, that'll, that'll, that'll take your courage from you just like that. You know that. Many of us have been saved long enough to know we've experienced that too many times in our lives. Don't let your problems sway your courage. The world. Jesus said, in the, in the world you shall have tribulation, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I really wanted to spend all of our time really on the third point here, and we're going to get there in just a couple of uh, a couple. And uh, but listen, let me let me let me make a suggestion to you: combat your problems with promises. Combat your problem problems with promises. We all we all have them. Problems didn't start about four months ago. We've always had problems. This is maybe a little bigger. It's definitely unique and. And, uh, and we're all navigating through it. We, we get that. But there's always going to be problems. There's always going to be challenges. I'll never forget, uh, this doesn't really fall into this umbrella, but I just thought of it. Thinking about Brother Hiles, and we were having a question and answer time in New York. This is probably 25 years ago or so. Maybe, yeah, about 25 years ago. And somebody asked Brother Hiles a question about something, and I think it was about the repentance issue or something, and said, what do you, what do you think? What's going to happen with this? I'll never forget what Brother Hiles said. He said, same play, different actors. I'll, just, I'll never forget that. 
Some of you may not even know what that means. What, what do you, you, know, you know what? Listen, there's going to be problems. Different people on the scene, different this, different that. We're going to have problems. You are going to have tribulation, right? Don't let your problems sway your courage. Combat your problems with the promises of God's word. This book is filled, you know this, exceeding and great pre- and precious promises for you and I. That's why we got to live in the book, folks. So when that problem comes to your mind, you, listen, I'm not talking about just talking to yourself and being weird and all that stuff. But listen, when you, when you, when your mind, you start getting anxiety or whatever you want to call it, and you start feeling overwhelmed, we all do at times, you combat that thing, you quote scripture to yourself. This book is still life-changing. This book still works. And, uh, he, and by the way, he's got it. And you know that I, I, everything I'm saying, you already know it. It's just an encouragement and a reminder to you. Every problem Jesus has the perfect answer for. You know that. So let's get in the book. And let's quote, uh, let's, let's get scripture. Let's get promises from God's word to combat our problems. That's why we've got to be in the Word of God. We've got to be reading it, studying it, memorizing it, living in it. Not just because we're a Sunday school teacher. I told these boys, these young men, they're men, excuse me, while they're in Bible college, listen, I don't want you to just tell me about what the chapel message was. I want to know what your personal Bible reading. Uh, we told them when they went to Bible college, listen, cl- college class is no substitute. It's no substitute for a personal walk with God every single day. Every day. Going to church, I'm here, I'm all in, I'm all for it, I'm 110% for it. Jesus loves the church, he gave his blood for it, and uh, we know that, and we love the church, but being in church is no substitute for you being in the book tomorrow morning. You need fresh manna tomorrow. Even if you've grown up in this church, or you've been in church your whole life, it's not enough, right? We need to be in the book. Isn't it amazing? You can read it again tomorrow, and God will give you some fresh bread that you never saw before in your life. That's this book. Isn't that amazing? I hope you never get over that, by the way. Hope that never gets old to you. When they were little, I don't know why I keep thinking about the boys when they were little. They're not little anymore. I can still put a whooping on them, amen? But they're not little anymore. When they were little, we'd, we'd teach them to hug this book. We'd teach them to hug their Bible. We taught them when they were young, the most important possession in our home and in our family is the Word of God, the Bible. And can I just say this about problems? We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful not to over-exaggerate, overreact. I'm sorry, overreact. That, that, that's my tendency. Especially back in my college days, the wonderful illustrations of car, of vehicle challenges. I could write a book on them. The thing I've done for the last 10 years, it's been the best investment financial I've made is that AAA. Hey Amen. How many of y'all at AAA? I call them. They, I'm on speed dial. John, it's you again. Where are you broke down now? You know? And uh, I use it, abuse it, man. I'm all over AAA. But the vehicle challenges, I was telling Brother Judah about this, and something that appeared to be a problem to us. I'll just tell you a really neat, quick story. And uh, my wife has a Kia Optima. And we, uh, last four years, we put 160,000 miles on it. I put most of them on it. I say it's her car, but I drove her probably more than she did. And 40,000 miles a year on it. And a couple, about a month ago, a month, month and a half ago, uh, engine went. 217 miles. It, it could have, it should have went longer, and, but, you know, we did oil changes and got all that stuff done and all that, but engine died on it. And I had it towed to my mechanic. He said it cost six to 8000 to get it fixed, and uh, I had it towed back to my house, and they're going to figure out what to do. I was going to maybe buybuy an engine and then have somebody put that in, maybe save a little bit of money. 
I went back to another mechanic friend that I have. He said, you know what you ought to do? He said, you ought to just, just call, contact Kia and just say, if, if, see if there's a recall. That's what we did about two weeks ago, about two to three weeks ago, we reached out to Kia and headquarters and gave them the VIN for the car. And we went to the Kia dealership in Nashua, town below us or city below us. And he said, yeah, we can replace that engine for nothing. He said, and we can give you a loaner too, if you need one. I said, why don't you do this? You give me a loaner and you just put fixing that car on the slow train. All right. You just take, you just take as long as you want to fix that car. That thing's demon possessed. I'm done with it. I was going to give it a good funeral at the, at the junkyard. I was asking 250 for it, 250 bucks. And I, I was telling the dude about this when he was with us and man, God gave us a brand new car. Didn't pay a dime for that thing. You know, about a month back, that was a problem. We needed a vehicle. You know, she can only go so far on a bicycle. You know what I'm saying? I mean, gotta, gotta get some good wheels. Gotta take care of my bride, amen? And, uh, but you know, I use that. I, we always love to use the illustrations that work out for us, you know? That worked out for you, and that, that's not always been the case. But you know, I said that because sometimes what we think seems to be a big problem, it just doesn't end up being that way. And, and we're, we've all been there. We're just, we're embarrassed, and we ask God to forgive us for, you know? But it, it, maybe it's not you, but from many of us, probably if not most of us, we tend to overreact about our problems. You know, keep everything in perspective. You know, who's in control? Who's never wringing his hands trying to figure out what he's going to do? Who's never had sweat on his brow trying to figure out how he's going to make it? That's our God. That, hey, hey, look up here. That's our God. He's real. He's still all God. He's in full control. He, he, he's, he's awesome. He's everything. And our problems, in, in, in light of that, he can give us a grace, right? Don't let your problems, don't let your problems sway your courage. The third illustration and last, and then we'll be done. Would you go to Matthew chapter 14? This is a big one. This is, this is huge. Of course, Jesus knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? Matthew chapter 14 and verse 27. This one is also found in Mark chapter 6 and verse 50. This is the story in itself, really, we all, I was almost just going to have us spend our time here and just stay in the context of one of these, be of good cheers, and uh, we didn't do that, but Matthew chapter 14 and verse 27, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, let's, let's step back, let's go back to verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I. What's the, what's the last three words? Can you say it out loud with me, please? Be not afraid. Be not afraid. One of the most oft-repeated commands in the Bible are what, are what two words? Fear not. Be not afraid. Don't let your paranoias or your phobias stifle your courage. Fear. Fear is huge. Fear is crippling, and I'm not trying to be inappropriate in my word there, or people with such physical infirmity, that's very serious. Spiritually, it's just as bad, if not worse. Many a Christian are paralyzed by their fears. I'm concerned that one of the biggest mistakes we make is that we have, especially as men, we have this attitude that I'm not afraid of anything. I, I want so desperately to take you on a journey through the Bible of the many, many, many different great men and women that God used in the Bible, where God made that statement to them, fear not, 
fear not. Can we take just a couple minutes? Can we do that? Would you be ready? You have your, you have your Bible, right? We're in church. You have your Bible, right? All right. Let's go to Second, uh, Second Kings chapter 6. Now, this is not God himself speaking here. Second Kings chapter 6 and verse 16. This is Elisha speaking to his servant. Whole another story, amazing story in the Bible. I won't have you turn to most of the rest of these. I'll give you these. I'll give you the verses and we'll turn to a few of them just so you can stay connected and engaged in the scriptures. Second Kings chapter six and verse 16 is an amazing story. And I, I don't want to do it in injustice. Of course, the story is Elisha is surrounded by the enemy. <laughs> the king, uh, Elisha knew what the king was doing and the king <laughs> Uh, found out about it, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill him, right? You know the story, probably but some of you know the story. You may have to look at it and study it a little bit. But look at Second uh, Kings chapter 6 and verse 16. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And, of course, what happened was the servant, the verse before him, came to him and said, What are we going to do? We're, like, surrounded, right? You all know the story? I mean, the enemy's all around him. It's like, uh, this is another good Bible story. You ever heard of Lone Ranger and Tonto? Some of you aren't even awake yet. And so they were on one of those escapades. Somebody raised their hand. It's in the Bible, the book of Hezekiah. And, uh, but anyway, so Lone Ranger and Tondo, they were on one of their escapades or whatever, you know, and they're out somewhere. And before you know it, they were just surrounded by him. Brother, Brother Howell told this. Some of you, you heard this story about 30 years ago, but you were sleeping. So now you're going to hear it and be awake. And they were surrounded by Indians. And Lone Ranger said to Tonto, he said, what are we going to do? Well, he said, what are we going to do? And Tonto said, what do you mean we, white man? <laughs> so you're going to get that. We'll get that about a month from now. And then some just laugh because they didn't get it, but they don't want to look. Okay, you get the picture. And so the, Elisha said to the servant, he said, fear not. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. And, and the servant took off his glasses, rubbed his eyes, and said, man, what are you talking about, Elisha? They're all around us, and there ain't nobody with us. And Elisha prayed, right? It's an amazing story in the Bible. And Elisha prayed, and the servant saw the chariots of fire and saw God's army there. And he said, man, this is awesome. This is cool, man. We're going to get the victory. An example of fear not. Let me give you a few more. I'll have you turn to a few more. Genesis 15.1, the Bible says, fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Church, let me say to you very kindly tonight, if Abraham needed to be encouraged by God to fear not, then you and I probably need that admonition at times in our lives as well. God said in Genesis 21, 17, God came to Hagar, fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Genesis 26, 24, God came to Isaac, fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee. Genesis 35, 17, God came to Rachel, fear not, thou shalt have this son also. Genesis 46, 3, God came to Jacob and said, fear not. Genesis 50 and verse 19, Joseph said unto his brothers, Fear not. Some of you might remember that story. Exodus 14 and verse 13, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still. Exodus 20, 20, he said the same thing to the people, Fear not. Numbers 14, 9, Fear them not. The Og, king of Bashan, Numbers 21, 34, Fear him not. Deuteronomy 1, 21, Fear not, neither be discouraged. Deuteronomy 3, 2, Fear him not. Folks, I've got references in Joshua. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Uh, Elijah said to the widow woman, and fear not. I'm telling you, it's all through the Bible. That's another one of those word studies. Fear not, fear not, fear not. There are a boatload of fears that Christians are dealing with today. The fear of the unknown. I was going, I'm not, I'm not going to, I've, I've already thrown everything in the kitchen sink at you tonight and you're, you're still here. You haven't walked out one by one, you know. Uh, but I was going to, I was going to give you some of the list of the phobias. It, 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 it's crazy. There's like all these different phobias, all these different fears. 
Any of y'all ever looked at him before? Here's one, hemiliophobia. That's a fear of preaching. How many of you have a fear of preaching since I started? You can raise your hand. It's all right. I've been hurt by bitter people. All right. All right. There you go. Hemiliophobia. You got to say that one right. Not a different way, but hemiliophobia. <laughs> the fear of preaching. There's, there's a, I don't even, the word is like speaking in tongues. There's a fear of peanut butter getting stuck to the roof of your mouth. I'm telling you, it's true. You can look it up. Again, if I said it, Pastor Wilkson had to sit me down and say, brother, it's okay. We're going to take you to the doctor as soon as we're done. <laughs> you know, anyway. And, uh, but, uh, this is a bad night. <laughs> I hope I make it home tonight. And, um, but there, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of them. The best one, my favorite, this is it. This is, the, this is a real word. You look it up later. It's a true word. It's a real word. Hippopotamonstrosis quipadelophobia. You say hippo who? <laughs> Hippopotamonstrosis quipadelophobia. It's a fear of long words. It's true. It's true. I'm not kidding you. 36 letters. 36 letters. Where's Brother Pins at? He'd probably be able to dissect that for me and all that. The hippo in the front, him and long. Okay, you get it. And uh, all these phobias. And I'm being light again because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to make it through the evening here. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that fears are very real, right? They're very real. They are. They're very real. And a sweet couple in our church, 90 and 88 years old, Brother George Henderson, They've been married almost coming on, coming close to 70 years. He goes soul winning and we haven't, he hasn't been doing anything in the last couple months, but up till COVID faithful soul winning every Saturday. Brother Schaefer, where you at? Brother Schaefer, he and I hit nine holes of golf. Where you at? There you are. We, about two weeks ago, he and I went and did about nine holes of golf and it, it just, it irked the fire out of me. When I hit the ball, it, it, it's bad. It's like in the woods in another count, continent or something. It's as straight as an arrow. You know, when I was at the golf course with him the other day, he said, Preacher, you pray for, you pray for me. And boy, Ms. Polly's just really been struggling lately. And they'll probably be watching tonight. And they know I love them dearly. Real concerns. Taking care of his dear wife. And he's 90 years old. And they have family, good family. They've got a family and they've got church family that are supporting them. And we love them big time. But fears are very real. They're very real. But we've got to, we've got to combat that. We've got to combat our fears, here it is, with faith. We've got to combat our fears with faith, our paranoias, our phobias, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of many, many different fears. They're very real. And we combat fear with faith. We take courage to go forward. Because Jesus said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. I'm with you. How quickly, I'll use one more illustration in just a moment, then I'll done and I'll give it to the preacher. How quickly are, just like the disciples, they'd say Jesus performed a miracle, they're watching, everywhere Jesus went, he went about doing good. Don't you love that how the Bible says that? And then a, a, a storm would come, a circumstance would come, and they just like, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing them. Their initial response, they become fearful. Oh, man, what, what's going to happen? You, look, and I'm, I'm not being super analytical, but they just saw Jesus perform a boatload of miracles. Are you all with me? I mean, it happened. It really happened every single day. I mean, everyone, you know, the Bible says the books cannot contain all that Jesus did while he was here. 
Isn't that amazing to you? Doesn't that give us the idea that Jesus performed miracles, I mean, just over and over and over again? I mean, as soon as a circumstance came, it's like, oh, man, what are we going to do? Hello? And, and again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying, but we're just like that. God performs miracle after miracle after miracle. A problem comes. Whoa, what are we going to do? Hey, where, hey, where'd God go? Still in the same place. Same place we left him. I mean, does it help you a little bit? Jesus is trying to encourage us to be of good courage. Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. Don't live in fear. Don't listen to the world. They've got, and there are real, 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 this preacher knows, these pastors, they deal with people with very real issues. They're very real. We've got to, we've got to combat that with the word of God and with faith. Believe God. Trust the Lord. With all of your hearts, in the good times and the bad, be of good cheer. I'm always a little leery when somebody says, this is a true story. <laughs> it's like the laughing college student. That was a true story. This is another true story. <laughs> I, it, it, is, it really happened. I was 17 years old, and I was a senior in Christian school. Our church, I grew up in a small church in Long Island, New York, and I say small, I know there's no, there is no small church to God. We know that, but I'm talking about numerically, just a little church in Long Island, New York. My pastor came from Cleveland Baptist Church, Dr. Roy Thompson, faithful man of God, and my preacher got called to preach there and came to Long Island. The preachers told my, my pastor who started a church on William Floyd Parkway in Shirley, New York, they told my pastor when he came before I started going to the church, they said, if you preach like Roy Thompson, if you preach uh, the Bible like that, he said, they said, you'll never build a church here. My pastor said, I'm not trying to build a church. I'm trying to be faithful to sow the seed, preach the word of God, be faithful to the Lord, and let God build his church. That's what my pastor said, and that's what God did. And now some of us are serving the Lord in ministry, and we thank the Lord for our pastor who stepped out by faith. But my pastor said, my junior year, I went to the public schools up till 10th grade, and he said, we're going to start a Christian school. And you now listen, this is 1980s, long time ago. We, I don't think we had one teacher that had any college degree, uh, it, it, but, but God blessed it. You know, pastor said, we, we need to get you kids out of the public school system. And, and I was so thankful. I went to my dad. I said, dad, I want to go to Christian school. And he said, John, I'm glad you do. And I, I want you to too, but we can't afford it. So I went and got a job and I paid for my Christian school. And of course, I'm glad I did both years, junior and senior year. And but my senior year, just a couple months before I was about to graduate from Christian school, I was working at my job. I worked at a supermarket. It's a chain of supermarkets in New York called King Cullen. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's a chain of supermarkets. And I was the cart-pushing manager. How many of you have ever heard of that title before? You never have because I gave it to myself. And uh, I pushed carts. And uh, I've never had a title. When I was in grade school, everybody, you know, everybody gets rewards for something. Everybody gets a cookie. You know what I'm saying? Everybody gets a cookie. This is true. I still have this certificate. I was in like third or fourth grade. My teacher gave me a certificate for being the closet monitor. You can laugh. It's okay. You can laugh in church. Be of good cheer. All right. You can laugh. I, I want to find her one day and say, what in the world is a closet monitor? Did I just stand there and give permission, permission to people to put something in the closet? That's, that's embarrassing. You understand? How many of you understand I'm fighting bitterness? Do you, do you recognize that? Closet monitor. Anyway, back to high school. So I was the cart pushing manager, and I pushed carts for three thirty-five an hour, making the big bucks. 
But me and my buddy, one of my best friends, we were seniors in the school and we, we left work that night and I was using my stepmom's car. They, my dad and my stepmom were uh, somewhere down south away for something. And I did something wrong. Me and my buddy, we, were, we decided we were going to race home. Shouldn't have done it. But we did. And uh, we just both lived just probably three quarters of a mile from the, from the store. But he, he went out and there's something called the stop sign. And you know what you're supposed to do at those. And he didn't. So he was a good, good piece ahead of me there. And I wanted to catch up to him. And I came around a turn. And I don't know if sometimes if you know with, with a new driver, you, you kind of black out and you do the opposite. And so when I came around a turn, I started hearing the tire squeal. And instead of hitting the brake, I hit the gas. And before I knew it, I put that car in the middle. I mean, just put it in the woods right to the, on the other side of the road. And it was bad. It was real bad. I, I got out. I looked at scratches on both sides of the car. I, I saw myself in a, in a casket within 24 hours. Uh, it was bad. And, uh, but, and then another one of my buddies came. He said, boy, you better, you better come up with a story. You better, tell, you better tell your dad like a cat ran in front of the car or something. And I said, well, I wish a cat would have. And I would have taken care of that. But, but anyway... But I, um, and it was bad. And of course, I called my dad right away and I apologized. And, and he talked to me for a few minutes and reminded me that I would pay for all the damage. And I did, and it took me a while to pay for it. Irony of ironies was I was supposed to preach in chapel in the Christian school the next day. And I went to school and I went to the principal's office. I did that regularly, Brother Stubblefield reminded me earlier that I was in the office uh, frequently. Thank you for that reminder, Brother Stubblefield. <laughs> but he wasn't the school principal then. But, so I, uh, I went to his office, and I was just bawling. I'm 17 years old, and I'm like, Brother Flowers, man, I, I did something real bad. He said, oh, no, John, what was it? You know, and I told him. He said, um, he said did, you, did you talk to your dad? And I said, yeah. well, he's, first he said, did you, did you ask the Lord to forgive you? And I, I'm just like and uncontrollably, you know. And I said, yes, I did. I asked God to forgive me. He said, you talked to your dad? And I said, yes, sir, I did. And the craziest thing was my sermon that morning was be of good cheer. That was my sermon. That was not the same sermon. This one's far more polished. I mean, you can tell 30 years later, I mean, this is waxing eloquent in the scriptures here. Thank you for that charity laugh. But there would be a mixed multitude of response here to this. But he said, John, did you make it right? You know what you've done wrong was wrong and made it right. I said, yes, sir, he did. He said, and I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I'm doubled over. You know, sometimes when you cry, you're doubled over. He said, John, I want you to preach chapel today. And I, I was like, <laughs> huh? And I still have the sermon somewhere in a file. I don't know where it is. But maybe... He was trying to encourage me to learn that there's times we have to get back up. And I, I think I did. I don't know the rest of the story. Maybe we'll see it on the big movie screen in heaven one day. I'm not sure. But I think he was trying to teach me a lesson. I think Peter learned that lesson. Don't you? As Peter denied the Lord, thought he'd go back to fishing. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, time out. What are you doing? I got some work for you to do. And I'm, I'm absolutely loving the book of Acts right now. Now Peter preaches at Pentecost. I love this. Hold on to this one. Acts chapter 4, they go to the prayer meeting the next day. See, Peter saw success at Pentecost. He still went to the prayer meeting the next day. 
I love it. I love it. What's that? There's a lame man. I love this. And I will, I'll close with this. Peter didn't get, you know, didn't get any big britches on, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And Peter looked at a lame man. He could have just said, well, you know, I just saw 3,000 people saved. Maybe I think weird and think different than you, but Peter didn't get too big in his britches, right? And Peter looked at one individual. By the way, that's what Jesus did. Jesus was not impressed with crowds. Y'all okay? Jesus looked for opportunities to go to individuals and minister to them. And when the crowds came, he didn't feel like he had to put the dog on because a big crowd was there, right? Right? But Peter goes to one layman. And listen, let me just tell you, the door opened for him to preach to others and 5,000 more people were saved because a layman got saved. And when that layman got saved, he got Jesus. And he went to the temple with them. And he was, a, you know the story in the book of Acts? I'm, I'm loving this. I'm all in this right now in our church. And he had opportunity to testify because the lame man was with them. And they couldn't deny, they couldn't argue with that. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because Peter, just a days or a month and a half, to a short time before, Peter got discouraged. But Jesus said, we're not, listen, we're not endorsing sin. We never can endorse sin. Sin condemns us to a place called hell. It's very real. But what we're endorsing and encouraging is the grace of God and the promise of Christ and the admonition of Christ to be of good cheer, be of good courage. You go into this week with the word of God in hand, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. You go into this week, your workplace, you go into your neighborhood, you go into the supermarkets, you go on there, you go there and let people see Jesus. You shine Jesus in your life this week. This is a, the most important hour for God's people, for Christians, to take courage. Take courage. Be of good cheer.